0: This is the one with a mission of a highly philanthropic nature.
1: A male chauvinistic bilge bag. And a literal cliffhanger. It's called Dragonfire.
0: Here, Here we, go. we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, talent Boot and the Cybertronic race. Ontarians look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back where? Yeah. And reviewing all of who there is Back when and subscribe and rate or night choose please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. what other choice could there be that Ooh, back when Ooh, back, back when What's up Podcast Land and welcome to a fantastic Undoubtedly legendary episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast.
1: Or Doc Past.
0: Very quickly catching up with the Doc present. Yes, that is right. Oh, well, let's see here. Let's get the formalities out of the way, shall we? I am Leon, and I am delighted not only to be speaking in your general direction, podcast land, but to be sitting here talking to the man, the myth, the legend, Jim Cakes himself. Hello, Jim.
1: It is I, Jim of Cakes. And hello Leon, hello Podcast Land. How are we doing?
0: Up Cake Boss. <laughs> How excited on a scale from zero to five. No, I'm kidding. How excited are you to be talking about Dragonfire this evening, Jim Cakes?
1: I'm super, super excited. Because oh, your comment well, I get it. Yeah. Your comment about us nearly being like doc present. Yeah. Like now we don't quite get it in this one, but it's the last classic Doctor with the last classic companion
0: oh my oh wow holy moly yeah tv doctor yeah not counting the movie i suppose but holy smokes how many episodes of mccoy do we have left not many right
1: i actually don't know if we get one more series or two more series let's look it up
0: we have (laughs) we have eight more serials after this that's it wow yeah that's right we are incredibly close to the end anywho holy moly yeah yeah And high level, how do you feel about Dragonfire?
1: High level, I feel like I like it and I'm not quite sure why.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) I'm so glad to hear you say that, because I think we're in the same boat. I found this immensely enjoyable. And I wonder if, now that we've seen a few Sylvester McCoy-era serials, I wonder if we've both gotten to a place where we get it. This is is its own thing.
1: Yeah, maybe. I think I was also reeling from the last one, which, in my opinion, was a dumpster fire. And it wasn't that, so (laughs) yay!
0: (laughs) Still, there are massive chunks of this cereal that make incredibly little sense, and I look forward to unearthing all of those bits and pieces with you this evening. Before we do that, how about we try to synopsize this cereal in some sort of bite-sized chunk of Voo? Let's! Time for us to synopsize, slubify and summarize, so take a view and grab a brew, and listen to this overview, yeah. this free-for-all, we like to call a, a bite-sized chunk of Voo! I so shrunk up who? Oh, you lucky, lucky people. You're about to learn of the time when Doc and Mel bumped into Sablon Glitz on a space trading colony. Well, it was more like a freezer warehouse with a cafe. The fact it has a cafe is strangely important, because we bump into a waitress that thinks everything is totally ace and brill, and you may or may not be hitching a ride at the end of this serial. Oh, and when I said freezer warehouse before, I of course meant a place where a Mr. Freeze wannabe is storing tens of soldiers that he's bought, brainwashed, and turned into into undead popsicles.
1: Sabalon Glitz has just sold his entire crew to Mr. Freeze, in fact, and somehow in the process, poloined a map to the treasure hidden deep beneath Iceworld that legend has it is guarded by a dragon. Naturally, he was allowed to steal the map by this week's baddie, because old Freezy McFreezeface really wants said treasure, and somehow getting Glitz, unaccompanied by a crew, to battle a dragon for it, is, I'm sure you'll agree, the most straightforward way of getting one's frozen paws on it. Doc, Mel, and Newcomer Ace join Glitz's fellowship, and thus adventure and hilarity ensue.
0: B-scow over. You are welcome. Oh, aren't you just podcast land? Well, right, gym cakes. I have a bajillion questions for you, but I would like to start you off with a straightforward one. And that is, how do you feel about the parting companion and the arriving companion?
1: Ooh, starting small, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. So, I have no, like, specific memories of Ace. In Doctor Who. Like, like I've said before, I literally ha- could only really remember this one thing from two serials ago, Paradise Towers. Yeah. But I know I watched this era of Doctor Who as a kid, and I know I loved Ace. Like, Fantastic. I think I probably, as a kid, didn't understand what everything was, sort of fancied her a bit, but also she was really sure. kick ass and cool. Yeah. Yeah, she's a little bit annoying in this, actually. Which I wasn't expecting. But I still liked it. I did still like it.
0: (laughs) I agree with you. I found her to be really quite annoying, but I think I understand the charm. And it seems very much of its time. It seems like an 80s companion. Someone who is addicted to explosions (laughs) (laughs) and wields slang and is just kind of yeah badass exactly like just a really a brave brazen character
1: yeah like right now she feels like she's a teenager written by adults and hopefully that's gonna get dialed down a bit i did see some trivia or something saying that does happen okay Um, good you know jury's out maybe until that point but yeah not a bad intro i think
0: no i don't think so into stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. We did talk really in-depth about how she behaves in things and what she does and whatever, but it did mention she's a teenager. It flummoxed me to find out how young she is, that she's meant to be 16 years old. Yeah. She's a kid. She's a kid Which... who's been star-lorded and somehow is out in space and thinks that's normal. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, like and she's uh, 16 and now. How, yeah. how long has she How long has she been there? Are we told? I can't well, remember I actually if that comes up.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I can't remember. I think she was a teenager when it happened. Oh, no, maybe not. No, she cuz she was kicked out of school, so she will have been in school on earth. And then she's star-loaded by virtue of some sort of time tornado whisking her up and throwing her into space. And one assumes time if it's a time tornado? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and her name is Dorothy, so there's the whole you know, yes, this ain't Tanzas anymore situation Definitely. exactly, yeah, yeah what what about Mel then so we've had Mel for a while. This is Mel's farewell, yeah, I think it's a pretty decent farewell
1: I, it was it was quite a nice farewell, like it, the actual farewell bit that was present for a start, which is not oh. always the case with a companion exit, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> poor poor companions that didn't even get to say goodbye or their. Their demise was just shown between serials. Yeah. I
0: don't, I think the thing I is. I read a bit of trivia about bit, that, by the way. Oh, go, go oh, with sorry. the trivia. Yeah. About the farewell scene, that it turns out that particular dialogue between the two of them was, and I think there's lots to read into this. That was one of the scenes in Sylvester McCoy's audition for the role. And when it got to the actual shoot, this actual serial, because they had already performed this scene in audition. They just went, yeah, we'll use exactly that monologue. That's exactly how we're going to do it. So that means Sylvester McCoy hasn't officially been cast yet. She is still the companion. And the way that they check that he is right for the role is by kicking her character to the curb. Yowzers. Yeah, isn't that... That's bizarro. I mean, I know...
1: Yeah, some, some industries like TV, film, music, they often talked about as being a bit cutthroat. But Jesus,
0: yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, no I mean, wonder she wanted out.
1: Well, maybe she's already said at this point Bonnie Langford has said, I'm off. And because there was a bit of trivia with one of the other series I read where it was uncertain when she was leaving. It sounded like she was oh, yeah, going to be right. leaving earlier. And the fact she's here now was a bit of a, a surprise. So yeah, when Sylvester McCoy originally came along, maybe she basically didn't really want to stick around beyond that first half a series she did.
0: Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense to assume that she was already on her way out, and that's why they auditioned with the scene, and that's why dot dot dot. But I think but she gets a really weird. solid farewell here.
1: So do you mean the whole serial is a good send-off to her, or just that yes, last yeah, bit? Yeah, exactly.
0: No, that last bit. that last bit is shit. And the okay. fact that she leaves in this this fashion is dumb AF. So what? She wants to go straight home. She doesn't want to be Doc's companion, so she becomes Glitz's companion? I mean, why?
1: probably not his companion, but he's, yeah, she's at least, she's going off traveling again. And it's like, yeah. what, why not stay in the TARDIS then? Yeah, yeah exactly. That stay
0: in the TARDIS. Bit or bullshit. if you want to go home, why not just tell Doc, hey, Doc, can you just drop me off at home and then you carry on traveling? Yeah, exactly. And really, just to chuck a fistful of sand in her eyes as well, Doc tells Ace, hey, do you want to go to Earth? Let's go to Earth. We'll take the scenic route, but we'll also go to Earth, that place that she's not going to struggle to go to with a fucking dingbat like Sabalon Glitz. It's amazing. And by amazing, I mean incredibly stupid. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I didn't get that. I'd like that she had a farewell, and there was an actual handover. Not not that she sat Ace down and said, well, you need to do this, or or anything like that. But But there's a proper transition of companion to companion, which I'm not entirely sure if I've seen that in Doctor Who at all. I was going to say Classic Who, but maybe not even in New Who. Normally there's a gap, or it's the end of a series, or... Yeah. I don't know.
0: Oh my god, that's such a good point. I do feel like we get something along these lines somewhere, but I can't remember if it's New Who or Classic. Possibly does happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure this can't be in isolation, but you definitely don't get it very often. It's not normally the way no, this is done, not. and I kind of, yeah, yeah. kind of like it. There's an overlap.
0: I agree. I agree. Th- there's yeah. almost, <laughs> there's almost something like appeasing the madman who is Doc. It's like, yeah, I'm aware that you need an acolyte slash a human slave, so I'm gonna just <laughs> yeah. like fill the void that I'm leaving behind <laughs> with another <Yeah>. human. <laughs> now go. (laughs) Leave me alone. Yeah, there's something something slightly weird about it, but I agree. I like it. I like it a lot.
1: It's like, yeah, like the TARDIS is a house share, and you can't leave until you've found someone else who's going to take your room.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly, because otherwise Doc is going to charge you rent. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Just while we were on this point, I did just query our old transcript buddy, and searched for Mel and Ace, and interestingly, they had the exact same number of dialogue lines
0: Oh, very 120 interesting. Yeah. One hundred and twenty, nice. How many does Sablon Glitz get? One hundred and six. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's the third companion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Oh my god, I still haven't added Sablon Glitz. I think as a, to the Vindex, I'll do that. Let's talk about Sablon Glitz. Sablon Glitz is in this massive yeah. surprise, and it turns out he was not meant to be in it. Did you see this? There's a bit of trivia associated with it as well. So when they they first wrote this script... Who wrote this, by the way? I didn't make a note of that. It's Ian Briggs. Ian Briggs. So when Ian Briggs first wrote this, the guest lead was a character called Razorback. And JNT basically thought, oh, this dude is almost exactly like Glitz, so he turned him into Glitz. Oh, nice. Yeah, I quite like it. He's not as good as he was before, I think. But he is still... Thoroughly entertaining He
1: is very entertaining I enjoyed his I think it only happened like twice towards the start Where he would say Some some kind of very convoluted Phraseology And someone, yeah. someone would say Explain yourself And then he would just explain The words that he's, he's used Not actually what he's doing there Sort of thing that's um, right yeah did you write down the examples because that's terribly explained it was way more exciting than that podcast land it was really fun
0: <sighs> no i don't think i made a note of one
1: yeah so he said for example fact is i'm on a mission of a highly philanthropic nature mel says
0: what's that glitz it means it's beneficial to mankind <laughs> that's oh that's right bloody hell it's one of the intro lines it's the very yeah, first yeah. line <laughs> no it's <you're so> all right <laughs> Yeah, I did quite enjoy yeah. that. I did also enjoy just how he is really witty and really incredibly oblivious to what's going on, which is the hilarious combination of things. He's also a massive dick. He sells his entire crew. Yes. Okay. And on top well, of that, they were he gonna, has gonna, what, gonna like, mute him. Se- Yes, that's true. Yeah. Because so, he's a massive dick, had- but yeah. <laughs> that- exactly. Yeah. One feeds into the other. And on top of that, he had what, like six or seven crew members whom he sells for a bargain. And then later on, when he is faced with one of them who's been turned into a popsicle zombie, he still has to think about, like, hmm, I feel like I recognize you. It's like, yeah, you're one of six or seven people you just (laughs) saw. Why do you have to think about this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was quite
1: quite special, especially like because the guy is right in front of him, and he's he's quite a big guy as well. It's like he looks like the kind of guy you remember, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That was that was nicely played. I totally agree. And then, yeah, turning the trope on its head where some kind of loving memory or something is going to break your hypnosis. And no, it's anger. And the guy is (laughs) so angry that Glitz (laughs) has been such a bastard to him. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was quite special.
0: I like that. Yeah, that's a great scene. It's a tragic set of circumstances, but it is incredibly fun. In fact, on the note of tragic circumstances, the entire crew dies, right? And in fact, everyone except for an annoying child and her terrible mum, everyone else dies.
1: Yes. Yeah, the mum is definitely still there, isn't she? Yeah.
0: Yeah, the mum is still there, the girl is still there, and I assume those two and Mel are now Sablonglitz's new crew. I wonder how long it's <laughs> yes, going to take <laughs> before Sublum Glitz sells them.
1: <laughs> or they sell him.
0: <laughs> or, yeah, exactly.
1: Or they discover that actually there's way more people in storage than Mr. Freeze let out. And yeah, a whole hilarity ensues.
0: <laughs> okay, can we talk bad guy and the circumstances of the bad guy being there? Okay. So Captain Frosty, Mr. Freeze, he is the bad guy. He... Okay. He's one hell he of a bad imprisoned. guy. The He's a fantastic bad guy. He is imprisoned on this planet. He needs to be kept cold. It's a cold planet.
1: It's there. I think they're on the dark side of the planet. So not the whole planet is cold, is my understanding. Right.
0: Yeah, that's true. But he also needs to be kept even colder because that's how he survives. So he goes to sleep in his little sarcophagus that keeps him at like Zero Kelvin or whatever, like minus 200 degrees centigrade, whatever it is. So I have a lot of questions. First off, did they coincidentally form a colony aboard slash on top of the space prison, which is also a spaceship? or, Or were they part of the deal?
1: Ooh. I'm kicking myself for not having thought about this because that's a really good question. I, where did all these people come from? What
0: I mean what? he's been How there for three thousand years. He has been in prison yeah. there for three thousand years, and on top of him, they've built a shopping mall. So and I'm assuming that shopping mall and cafe have not been there for three thousand years. So yeah. did, <laughs> did people just build a space colony on on top of him? I
1: guess. But then he must have had some hand in it being built because it's not just a shopping mall it's a spaceship
0: and the spaceship engine is in it's on his floor like it's where he is where he's imprisoned yeah That's exactly the like he can it's just control missing the a thing. power source yeah so presumably people showed up found what appeared to be an empty city like unclaimed real estate and they just populated it with stuff
1: yeah, I'm not quite sure about this. I feel like there are a few blank pages in the backstory for this this serial. <laughs> and someone <laughs> forgot to fill them in.
0: <laughs> Question two. If... Okay, he needs to be kept cold. He need, he is inside a freezer. That freezer is kept super-duper cold. Why does that freezer need to be on an ice-cold planet? This planet is called Ice World. Yeah, I
1: don't know. Maybe... So that they can have their refrigerators running all the time and they don't overheat. Because okay. if it was a warm planet, right. maybe they'd get too hot. I don't know. It would
0: require more energy. Yeah, that's, that is yeah. that is fair. Okay. It's called Ice World. The people... It, he is the only person who needs to be kept super cold. Why is yeah. anyone else there?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Like, I contributed the bit to the B-Scale where it talks about it being a space trading colony. Which I now... T- 100% from the transcript because I couldn't quite remember the setup. And yeah, Ice World is being described as this space trading colony. And that's the bit that they're living in. It's not the planet, even though the name is Ice World. Like, yeah. that's the name of this little colony bit.
0: Oh, I so see. I,
1: I'm not even sure what the planet's <laughs> called. <laughs> I don't know. Ah, Svartos okay. is the name of the planet. Yeah. And so I don't know. I have no idea why these people are here. But it being a trading colony suggests. Is there something here that they're trading, or is it just a good position in the galaxy for people to come and go from? I mean, this yeah. bustling cafe and then nothing else is a very weird <laughs> setup as well. Like, what, what,
0: what is this annoying three-year-old kid and her really terrible mum? What are they there to trade? <laughs> like, yeah. they, they seem like tourists. Possibly. Maybe she... <laughs>
1: Maybe she's selling her daughter into slavery. Who
0: knows? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that is possible. She doesn't seem to care particularly much about her daughter. But okay, sorry. I'm going to ask one more question about this. Do the colonists, are they aware of Mr. Frosty and his, you know, team? Do they coexist, well, so to speak?
1: This seems to be the next question that was bubbling in my mind, is how is he running the show? Like, How does he have all of these lackeys which can wander into the cafe and yeah. walk straight up to Glitz. Yeah, they look like the police. They look, well, they look like military more than oh, police true, perhaps. Yeah. But no one questions it. This cafe is owned by someone, you know, there their staff there. No one turns around and goes, what the fuck? Why, why are the police guys here? Or who are these guys that look like they've walked out of a black and white military production? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Brain, brain freeze there, ironically. <sighs>
0: There's some kind of authority, right? So there's the scene where I, can't, I made a note of the line. It was hilarious on the tannoy. There's an ice jam, says someone on the on the tannoy. Can someone please tell the emergency services to pop along? And the the emergency services who do pop along are two people in those white uniforms. Yeah. they are dressed exactly course. like his lackeys. So I wonder. Has he dispatched them? Like, is he in charge of this entire colony? Or are those people in white uniforms, are they in charge? And he's just taken and hypnotized some of them with his weird hypnosis coin.
1: Okay, so there seem to be two things he's doing. And I don't know where hypnosis comes to it. Maybe this is a topic to stay with a a little bit. Yeah, happily. Because you've got the, the guard people, Yeah, where we have two main people that we meet and a few lackeys that pop up here and there yeah and they're fully in control they're just like henchmen they're obviously enacting the orders that they're given but mm-hmm. they're in in control of what they're doing whereas the people that then get popped into ice seem to get totally brainwashed and turn into zombies, basically. Yes, exactly.
0: They're they're put in a deep freeze, which somehow kills all of their memories. Doc says something to that effect. Because that's why it's remarkable that the frozen crewman remembers Glitz, because technically he should have forgotten everything. And that's just part of that kind of cryogenic freezing process.
1: So if he was around awake long enough, would he get his memories back, or is, is it just the so. freezing process has destroyed it? So, basically, oh, the yeah, guard people right. never got frozen, but all these exactly. people got paid to be there. Either someone took the money on their behalf, or they got the money, and they were they were yeah. volunteered, is what we see at the start. It's like they were they were paid to be there, but they didn't really agree to it, sort of thing. But then... Are we talking
0: about, uh, what are they called, Belash and... Uh, well, that's all the, the soldier people... Yeah. Oh, you mean the
1: the, hen- the not the henchmen, the the zombie people. They yeah, were all like paid as well.
0: Mercenaries. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. They but were then, paid. Okay.
1: Yeah. There's 17 credits or whatever the currency is. That, no, that was
0: Sablon Glitz. Glitz well, Sablon Glitz
1: takes it from. Oh wait, are they all meant to be his crew at the start? I was thinking there were yeah. some other people there. I thought the guy no, that I liked it, it was. He had been paid, but like he didn't really want to take the money. He didn't really want to be there. But he, but he had been directly paid. Maybe I
0: misunderstood. What oh, was maybe going I'm on. mistaken. I thought they were Glitzer's crew, and one of them, one of them buys it, and right. the rest. Well, I may very well be mistaken. But okay, so those are those are the mercenaries. Yes, you're right. They're just a zombie army. Then we have people like Elsa and Freddie Mercury who have been hypnotized in some way by touching a magical coin. Yeah well hey, if you touch my hypnosis doubloon then you now have no more free will explain oh you're not gonna explain elsa, fine <laughs> i mean
1: elsa's thing this yeah. what, what's her real name yeah. just so we Balanche, don't confuse everyone belash but yeah elsa yeah she like there are hints like horrific stuff in her life so she was 16 when she came here she yeah got this hypnosis thing or whatever and then this th- it's imprinted onto her hand that's what she shows doc and glitz at one point yeah and then she says she tried to get rid of it by cutting off her hand oh shit i missed that holy smokes! i'm sure she, i'm sure she said that and i think maybe you even see like a line around her wrist of where her hand's been sewn back on oh god uh, I totally let me just, let me just check i'm not being insane about this
0: no 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 no, no. i'm sure you're right
1: Oh no, I think she just says I ought to cut my hand off for doing it. Okay. I oh, really I felt like cuz she was cuz she was holding her hand up, I thought I saw something. It was just like, wait, is she saying she cut it off and then it like oh. magically healed itself or something? I don't know. <laughs> okay. What, it, it's it, not as Severe as I thought it was.
0: <laughs> it's still pretty severe. She's been held there against her will, and it started when she was sixteen years old. So yeah. and, and now she's I mean she's a grown-up. <laughs> she's spent her entire adult life in the employ, quote unquote, of Captain Frosty. She doesn't even like being cold, but she's she's basically like Mr. Freezer's henchman in Batman and Robin, where she's like she's just forced to be around yeah. freezer boxes and <laughs> she's just a regular human, potentially, who knows. But th- there's a... Um, actually, I want to ask you about that as well. But th- there's another horrible thing about her backstory, and that is that at one point, possibly the first time that we see her speaking with Captain Frosty, Frosty says, "You you're, don't think you can take advantage of me just because... Of those feelings I used to harbor for you, or something. Oh, God, yeah. He insinuates that he, like, there used to be some sort of romance. At the very least, from his side, he used to care about her in some
1: pseudo
0: romantic sense. So he's a horrible, despotic bad guy who hypnotizes a 16 year old girl to lose her freedom and free will, and then he starts romancing her. Fucking dark.
1: Very true.
0: Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oof I mean, indeed. Presumably they tried to do the same have,
1: Yes, yes, he does. Presumably they didn't have any kind of physical relationship because otherwise she would be a popsicle. But that's not making it any better.
0: Yeah, let's not even go down that road. The, no, the, no, but you're right. That that does make sense. Yeah. What? I mean now I am considering <laughs> the logistics of it. I don't want to be, but I am. But yeah, anyway, yeah, let's not talk about it. <laughs>
1: What you said there about her, like, losing her free will. Yeah. That, that's the bit I'm sort of a little bit unclear of. Because are they just henchmen who got more than they bargained for when they signed up? Or they were too young? Because there was the conversation between Elsa and Freddie Mercury, where it yeah. sounds like they were both they were both willing when they were 16 and they signed up. But they were only 16 and they shouldn't have been able to, is, is kind of the conversation.
0: That is true. But he also... Or in that conversation, they both also say, now that we have this mark on our hands, we can't get out. Now we have no choice but to remain in his employ. But why? And it's very, I don't think that's... Well, I don't know. That's why I'm... It's th- clear to me. No, I don't think it's made clear at all. And that's why I'm saying it's some sort of hypnosis Balloon. Because the second you have this mark on you, then that's it. it, it it's like a Pirates of the Caribbean kind of situation where d- yeah. you cannot have this mark. That mark now guides your life. And the the weird thing is in the scene with Ace, where, yeah, she's about to make the choice to touch this balloon, but it seems very much like she's under some sort of hypnotic suggestion. There's some sort of yeah, influence definitely. being wielded by Captain Frosty, and it's only when Mel distracts her that she goes, oh, no, I'm not going to do this. But otherwise, she would have. And it's very possible that 16-year-old Elsa and maybe 16-year-old or older or younger, who knows? Freddie Mercury also were hypnotized, quote unquote, into touching the hypnosis balloon, and then then that isn't a free choice.
1: No, no, that's that's very true. It's just, it's just weird that that scene with Ace definitely looks like Mister Freeze's hypnotizing her to touch the doubloon. Yeah. But then we don't really see him using that at any other point. It doesn't seem like he's using that to give orders and make sure that people follow them. Maybe he just... He can hypnotize people, but he doesn't feel the need most of the time, or they're under his control anyway, so anything he says, they just kind of go along with. But then we see two of the lackeys questioning it. Like, they want to be free, they just don't think they can be. So, I don't know. It's just... It's all a bit of a muddle, I think. Not entirely clear around that whole thing.
0: No, I agree with you. That is, that's super odd. There are a lot of things there that are just, they are very cool on the surface. They're very interesting on the surface, but kind of for lack of any context, they lose something for me. It's very cool that he's able to hypnotise people But the fact that we don't know how or why Or, you know, dot 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 That takes something away from that character's potential Anyway I think the annoying thing is
1: You didn't have to throw that hypnotism thing in I know! Like Ace could have escaped from that and thrown some Nitro Nine or with Nitro Nine, yeah, and which he does, it, yeah, which c- that could happen like countless other ways. She didn't have to be in the middle of being seduced by him, and if that didn't happen, you wouldn't be thinking about hypnosis for any of the normal hench people. You would only think while well, you've got these weird zombie soldiers that. Have had their mind wiped and stuff, and that's probably because of the freezing process. And so it, it would just be he's a powerful bad guy. Like he coerces people to come and work for him and makes it incredibly hard under threat of I'm gonna freeze you to fucking death, which yeah. is a big ass threat that he enac- he acts upon multiple times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this dude is but, bad. Yeah, um, but do you know what? Like, they that could would do be as enough.
0: Well. They could just not be there. Like. <laughs> It kind of goes hand in hand with the, oh, now that you've touched the doubloon, you can't do anything else. But there is a point where Elsa at least contemplates escaping. I mean, she and Freddie Mercury talk about killing Mr. Frosty or Captain Frosty, but at one point she calls the spaceport and says oh by the way I spoke with Frosty and he says don't blow up the Nosferatu Glitz's ship Glitz's hilariously named ship (laughs) and that is kind of I guess an allusion to her wanting to escape in said ship oh no she
1: was definitely trying to escape like that's she's on the ship when Glitz and Doc get there because she oh, doesn't true. want him to take it like she wants that ship i think if if things have played out differently i, I can only assume she would have escaped the question is what would have happened next like yeah. presumably kane can't influence anything outside of this environment like he's managed to wiggle his way into a power position here over thousands of years or however many years people have been here that he could manipulate but he can't escape this world so she should just be able to be escaped Unless there yeah. is some weird hypnosis thing or some mind control yeah. thing or, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah
0: exactly. Which, which is why there must be. Anyway, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, oh. yeah. yeah. It's all nonsense <laughs> and I love it. It's so dumb and it's great.
1: <laughs> it is all the nonsense and I love it because <laughs> he is such a fucking evil bastard. Yeah. I don't, I'm going to give him a pass. I don't care if he's hypnotizing. I don't care if they can just walk out the door at any moment. The fact that he's threatening them with, I'm going to freeze your face off with my hands is good enough for me.
0: So, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 So he wants to escape. And the way that he is to escape, and he's spent 3,000 years doing this, is he has gotten glitz to either, quote-unquote, steal or win in a card game or whatever, a treasure map. And this treasure map points out where there is a treasure hidden beneath the city. That treasure is guarded by a dragon. And if he gets said treasure, which is a power source, he can use that power source to steer his colony spaceship, his, his prison spaceship, off this horrible rock So, yep. I have a number of questions He it's has an one, army <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He has, yeah, why Okay, you know what Why couldn't he escape in something else There are ships arriving like, There's a spaceport yeah. Get a different Like how ship. all the
1: people got, them. got there Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> And is the problem just that he needs to be Kept cold every now and then Space is freezing <laughs> You'll be fine <laughs>
1: Yeah, leave, leave the door ajar a bit <laughs> Let in some of that cold (laughs) vacuumous air for you.
0: (laughs) Either way, it it seems like that's a pretty easily surmountable problem. It's called Ice World. Every single thing we see is themed around cold. (laughs) There's a cafe that just does frozen milkshakes. There's a freeze box. Is the first thing we see when we get to this. Moment. Surely they've got the tech to make things go. In fact, surely he has tech to just make his freezing sarcophagus more mobile. Put that sarcophagus aboard Glitz's ship and fly away. You don't need a dragon. Yeah. So that's, that's number one.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that should have been plan A, really.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Here's another question for you. If the treasure map is of a place that has metal banisters and raised walkways, why is the map drawn on parchment?
1: Because <laughs> it's from a gift shop, you know?
0: <laughs> okay, who drew the map? I don't know.
1: It's pretty amazing. And then the tracker is
0: in this little <laughs> it's in the wax seal. seal. <laughs> Do you think oh, it was yeah. just a straight up regular map, as in he printed it out <laughs> on a digital printer <laughs> and it's just a, like some sort of x ray scan of the planet? And then one of his lackeys goes, No, 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 no. Sablon Glitz, you don't understand. Sablon Glitz is an idiot. If he sees something that we printed out, he's not going to believe it's a treasure map. We need to make it look like a freaking pirate map from, you know, <laughs> Treasure Island. It needs to be drawn on parchment, so...
1: You get this, you you deal with doubloons all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird prop. (laughs) All it can do is just make me think, not for the first time, not probably for the 20th time, of how often in the classic Who in particular, there must have been a moment (laughs) where someone just went, ah, fuck it, I'm not going to question this one. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever's in charge has said, yes, make make the map look really old in this futuristic ice world. Yes. Yeah. Do Whatever
0: that. you see, JNT <laughs> Or maybe they just send off something to the prop department at the Beeb. They just go, can we have a treasure map, please? And the person making this prop doesn't know it's for a sci-fi show. They don't know where it's set. They just assume, <laughs> oh, there might must this must be like an old-timey pirate episode of Doctor Who. And then they produce this map. JT and and Co have no choice in the matter. They just go, oh, fuck it. I guess we're using this then. Yeah. Okay, follow-up question. Captain Frosty has a treasure map. He knows where the treasure is. He has an army of frozen zombie soldiers. He also has tons of uniformed goons who are wielding enormous, enormous hand cannons. Why does he need glitz?
1: I really don't know. There was a lot of dialogue in this, which I kind of glazed over, to be honest. I was writing notes, and there, there were occasions where Kane just had A massive conversation with Elsa, I got like a tenth of it, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) They probably did try and hand-wave some explanation of why glitz was important for finding it, but I didn't pick it up at all.
0: I suspect that what they're thinking is takes a pirate to catch a pirate kind of situation they need someone with Glitz's cunning to get to the treasure but if it's a treasure map and the treasure in this case is inside a thing that walks around then that's not going to be a there's not going to be an x marks the spot there's going to be a go downstairs sooner or later the treasure will come and try to kill you and we don't get that (laughs) i don't know there's something missing from that equation as well
1: yeah no, it's very unclear. Like, it's clear why Mr. Freeze can't go down there because it sounds like he wouldn't survive, or if the dragon lasered him, like, or he lasered near him, even. Like, he's that's too hot that set for the heat. Yeah. Yeah. But he does have a load of henchmen at his beck and call. Yeah. Exactly. Just like, and they go down there. They, they are there. They kill the dragon right? in the end. Like,
0: wait, you're right. Wait, they, what? How did this not They're like on one so room right.
1: over. Like as yeah. far as Doc and Glitz get, they are one room back, and yeah. it's just down a corridor or something like How
0: that. How dumb is this guy? He he must be hitting his head against the wall, going, "I waited three thousand years to send two dudes I could have gotten to send there anytime to go there and just get it." Yeah, I don't as... know what the hell was. Really oh, that's going on. really actually that's quite frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the dragon, though.
1: I think I like it. Yeah. I know for a fact whoever planned this dragon and wrote some of this script, or or both, yeah, watched aliens or aliens, yes,
0: definitely, yeah. The-, the dragon is just the xenomorph in my notes as well, and in the trivia yeah. it says they were literally inspired by the look of the xenomorph in Alien.
1: I mean, there's inspired, and then there's trying to make a cheap knockoff.
0: <laughs> yeah, really cheap emphasis on the cheap. <laughs> Actually, but then also we get that... emphasis on the off <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes but then we get that moment where i think it is elsa no no no. it's two random hench hench people that we get a brief scene with she gets to do the whole oh you don't even know what you're fighting here you've never <laughs> seen it you never heard of it man you can't go with that gun you need this big fuck off gun which is quite yeah, nice but then yeah it's pretty great then they're wandering around, and he's got a little scanner thing, and it's like, it's in front of us, it's behind us, it's all around us! Like, that's straight <laughs> up aliens as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is massively aliens. <laughs> it's alright.
1: And then it turns out there's a little girl. Oh. We haven't paused where I've had Which to ask... Which you also get an aliens, by the way. question. Newt. Oh, what's that, the cat?
0: No? Oh, am I getting the names wrong? You know in aliens... There's I, a little girl. I don't who's know.
1: Just... I'm quoting Aliens t- to Bilio and I don't actually know them very well at
0: all. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, dude, watch Aliens. It's so I mean, watch Alien and Aliens. They're they're both really good. And watch Alien Three as well, because it's got Paul McGann in it. So, so that's pretty rad. Nice. And watch Alien Four as well, because it was made by Jean Pierre Jeunet, and it's pretty fantastic. It's got Rob Perlman, he's great. Always good value. And watch Alien for I think no, I've no,
1: seen think so. I think I have seen the fourth one. Is that where they swim underwater a bit?
0: Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's pretty great. I remember it being. I really enjoyed that. What was I going to say? Yeah, in Aliens, there is a little girl who is oh, the okay. only survivor of this colony that's been ravaged by the xenomorphs. And so when the soldiers and Ripley show up on this planet, they find they find this girl. And I think there's a similar situation where they're like, oh, w- w- what's this on the scanner? Is that an alien? And they walk up to it with a gun, open a door, and it's just this little girl. So it's incredibly uh, right.
1: similar. Rip off central is what we're saying then. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But it works. (laughs) It really works.
1: Yeah. It was kind of nice. Yeah. 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 We haven't had a pause point where I've naturally been able to kind of ping back at you. But I did want to ask you about, she's come up a couple of times now, but just like, how much did you hate that little girl? Come on.
0: Oh, I loathed her.
1: (laughs) I mean, was vomit coming up every time she appeared on the screen? Was it that bad? I'm
0: still, I'm still gorgling (laughs) Vom over here. Problem is... This is an era of television where CGI is not yet advanced enough that they could replace that that girl with CGI. And that CGI no, thing would also no. be annoying. What they should it have was. done is they should have had... You know that scene where Doc is leaving the cafe and apparently improvised, he tries to pet some sort of space dog and the space dog snaps at him?
1: Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: They should have used a space dog screw having some sort of child in this thing because the child doesn't, well, she doesn't really doesn't do anything need of value.
1: to be here. No. There no. are so many scenes where cause she's left behind and she's just wandering around. She puts her teddy in the freeze thing. She's drinking a milkshake yeah. from the cafe. It's just yeah. these are just solitary scenes tab- we get. Just,
0: yeah, she's underneath the table when everyone in the cafe gets massacred by zombies. She survives gets up not traumatized at all saunters out of there <laughs> surrounded by corpses yeah. i'm just a child yeah it...
1: you know what, no, actually this it just struck me i have a feeling she isn't surrounded by corpses i have a feeling these are the, the tidiest zombie killers ever <laughs> <laughs> they murder know, everyone and then carry them out them. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> i think maybe right, they actually. felt yeah, like
1: right. it would be too <laughs> Was disturbing a scene to have a little kid drinking a milkshake surrounded by a load of dead bodies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That seems perfectly acceptable to <laughs> me. Yeah, you're right. I think that's exactly what they did. But, and, and not but, and I completely agree with you. That kid should not have been in the picture. If they had replaced this kid with a space cat or a space dog, then you can still have the sort of save the cat moment of the dragon demonstrating value by carrying said space cat or whatever to safety, it also makes more sense that a cat or a dog is, is running around them and they don't know what they're tracking, the two soldiers.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, true. And hey, more more dogs and cats in Doctor Who. I'm, I'm definitely on board. <laughs> Ab- absolutely.
0: Yeah. Wasn't there a, I can't remember what this was, but I feel like there was a serial where they had a literal dog, an actual dog, and they had just placed a fake plastic horn on its head. Oh, I don't recall belts. that I one. I feel like this, no, I must be wrong. Before I started. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm thinking of a different show altogether, I don't know, but do that. Way better.
1: Yeah. We were talking about the dragon, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah, the dragon. So the dragon
1: is a robot, which is great. Is the dragon a robot? Because this is what I was struggling to understand. So Uh. it's a robot, straight up.
0: Well, I assume so. Assume it's 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 a god robot.
1: Yeah, I kind of assumed that as well when its head opened up and there was a crystal inside it. But the way they keep talking about it is like it's alive. A creature, I don't know.
0: Well, maybe it's powered by an AI. Maybe it's sentient and self-aware.
1: Semi-organic vertebrate with a highly developed cerebral cortex is what Doc says at one point, actually. Oh, right. Okay, so... so I guess we're saying, yeah, like, what would be the correct Semi-organic. Term? So Android. it's
0: some sort of cybernetic... Yeah, exactly. It's a cybernetic organism capable of opening its brain. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think that's perfectly, perfectly reasonable.
1: Okay, I think that... But similarly, yeah, that I-, I don't
0: know why it's there. The, it. Is it no. there just to taunt Captain Frosty?
1: Well, apparently it's the Jailer, and I don't understand that. You know,
0: well, he doesn't need a Jailer. He never meets no. this dragon.
1: No. Like, this This dragon should be in a spaceship, keeping an eye on the planet. That's yeah. what this dragon or, should be doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or how about Captain Frosty is not on a spaceship? How about Captain Frosty is just placed in a cell on this rock, <laughs> yeah. and there is Or no just spaceship? in the
1: rock. <laughs> In
0: a cave in the the rock.
1: There you go. You're on your own. Done.
0: (laughs) Exactly. This is it now. Like, why has he been given the facility to survive, and the only thing that he can escape... Sorry, the only thing keeping him from escaping is this dragon. But if he were to get the dragon, he could escape. So why not just not have a dragon?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I don't know.
0: (laughs) The dragon would be a way better jailer if the dragon self-destructed.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess most jailers do have a key on them at least in trophy TV and film land.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but it is weird. It's like cuz I was never convinced that yeah, makes no sense. One way or another whether it was intentional that the dragon fire, sorry, the dragon the dragon fire is no. The dragon fire is the thing in its head. Is that right? I don't. Yeah, know. it's
0: what they call the energy inside this. I guess it's a battery, isn't it? And dragon fire yeah. is what they call that—the electrical or the, whatever the current that's stored in it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, is it intentional that the power source that is powering this dragon creature can power a spaceship, or is it a weird coincidence? And Mister Freeze worked out that he could take advantage of that if only he could get access to the. Dragon?
0: This is a very good question. Well, there are, I think there are two things. One, when Captain Frosty has the Dragonfire, he just says, put it on the console. And then they put it on the Dragonfire shaped thing on the console, and that powers the spaceship. So yes, it seems yes, like definitely. it's just it's like an AA battery. Like it's the same size, <laughs> yeah. it fits any device. So that's number one. And number two, when Doc and Co. find the dragon, the dragon just opens its head and goes, Yeah, here's my here's my dragon fire. It's very phallic, by the way. He opens his head, this thing <laughs> comes in. I'm very out. pleased to see you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you a semi-organic vertebrate or are you just pleased to see me? Yeah, anyway. So (laughs) he shows them his head dong and Doc goes, think about what Captain Frosty thinks about head dongs. Captain Frosty sees head dongs as a means out of here. So the fact that the dragon shows his head dong or its head dong is as though to say, yeah, this is why I'm the treasure. Because otherwise it's just like, he might as well unzip his trousers. He doesn't need to unzip his head. (laughs)
1: What? Okay, you've lost me dude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay. So here's what I'm trying to say. This makes perfect sense, I promise. So
1: I'm sure someone <laughs> in podcast land is following along, but I'm I just like <laughs> there's too many dongs here. <laughs>
0: Either the dragon is showing off the thing to say, I'm the treasure, or it's showing off the thing to say, I'm a robot. I'm cybernetic or whatever. Right. And if it's to say, I'm cybernetic, he might as well unzip his trousers and show them his actual robot dick. But since he opens up his head, and yeah, that does kind of prove that he's cybernetic... But it also shows, shows them, here's the thing that Captain Frosty wants. That leads me to believe that he is there deliberately as the treasure. And for 3,000 years, Frosty just hasn't been able to get him. But he is there deliberately as the treasure, which is, as you say, kind of the jailer's keys. But also, kind of a massive F you to Captain Frosty. I mean,
1: maybe it is. Again, one of these dialogue bits that I missed was what he did. So we had this this hologram, which the dragon also allowed us to see by wandering oh, over yeah. and using its wireless connection of laser beam eyes, <laughs> power hologram, go. <laughs> which was quite incredible. Yeah. And then we are told that Mr. Freeze was an asshole on his home planet and so they banished him, and he comes here as his punishment with a jailer along for the ride.
0: Yeah. But exactly. what did he do? Oh yeah, that's a very good question. He tried to overthrow the government or something. Did he try to take over his homeworld? He and, I can't remember her name now, but he a partner in crime and maybe also a partner in life, whom he's erected an ice statue of.
1: Oh yeah, the ice statue thing, Yeah. Okay, carry on, sorry. So at some we point, those up.
0: two together... Yeah, have a look online. I think at some point, those two together tried to effectively overthrow the government. That They tried to take over their world, and they failed, were banished. His partner killed herself because she didn't want to be banished. And now he's been there by himself for 3,000 years. Is he immortal, by the way? I don't know. <laughs> I mean... He looks great for 3,000 years. Yeah. Is he freeze-dried? Is that what it is?
1: <laughs> Maybe. Every time he's going in his little freeze chamber, maybe he's adding on another century.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah, so the archivist hologram talks about them being the two of the most vicious examples of the criminal mentality. They were leaders of this, or oh, Kane Zena gang. Great name. I feel like that's just, they are called Kane and Zayner.
0: <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> you betcha.
1: Yeah, carried out systematic violence and extortion, unequaled in its brutality. Yeah, and so they were exiled. Okay. I guess they felt it was warranted. Maybe when you live for thousands of years, banishment is much better than imprisonment because, well, that's a lot of food you got to give
0: them. Yeah, I guess. Okay. But it, it seems
1: okay. like banishment, I guess, is the thing as well. It isn't imprisonment. We're sending you to a planet you can survive on. We just don't want you on ours
0: anymore. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but- Were they meant to? Yeah, they were meant to be there forever. Yeah, maybe it makes sense. I don't know, but maybe I.
1: I'm sort of well. I'm leaning mostly towards the script doesn't explain this well enough, and that's a failing of the script. But slightly also to the dragon is there as a fuck you to Mister Freeze. It's just
0: I think definitely yes,
1: taunting temptation of (laughs) you will be able to get out of here at some point. Maybe possibly.
0: thousand years, but two thousand years. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And guess what? We'll all have died by then, so <laughs> jokes on you, pal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. He has a fantastic yeah. death scene, by the way, apropos. Captain Oh Frosty. my
1: goodness. Yeah. Straight out of Indiana Jones.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Very much inspired by it. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think possibly I have seen that prop.
1: Oh, what, well, you've seen it in real life,
0: you mean? I wonder if I've made up this memory, or if it's in the Doctor Who Museum in London. I think I probably have made up this this uh, memory. Or maybe it's one of them, actually. It looks like there are multiple props of this head.
1: Well, I've actually read some trivia about this bit. Oh, let's and So, first of all, the effect to do this was like melting it and then speeding it up. So I don't know what would be left of the prop. I guess you stop melting it at some point, and then it's just a melted face. But they'd made a wax bust of the actor and melted it, and it worked really
0: well. I must be making up this memory then. But
1: the side trivia that comes with this is also very interesting, because they actually wanted the guy who played Tote, is the character name, I don't know if I've said that correctly, from Ra- Raiders of the Last Ark, to play Kane.
0: He was, oh he my was the original God. choice. Yeah. What? That's amazing. <laughs>
1: And I don't know uh, if this like they thought of. We want this guy to melt to death. It's like, oh, we should get the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> well, he'll be I great. Don't know he knows that exactly how to out, do but... this stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he
0: has. Wait, he hasn't melted yet, has he? Yeah. No, he. That's that's hilarious, Lloyds. Yeah, they're they're ripping off the scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark to begin with. (laughs) And I wonder if they're just like ripping off the entire character. Like, is this guy, is Kane basically the dude from Raiders of the Lost Ark? Is he a space Nazi? I don't know, maybe. Wait, I mean, in, oh my god, did you know what else? Damn evil. In Raiders of the Lost Ark... Doesn't... I can't remember what his name is. Belloc, I You know, there's a gold coin, gold medal with a diamond in the middle, and it has to be on a cane. A cane. Uh And sun shines through it, and that points to where you have to go to find the Ark.
1: Yeah, rings a bell.
0: And there's a scene where that gold medal is in fire. It lands in a bonfire, And one of the Nazis grabs a hold of it, burns his hand. Oh, my God. And then he has the print of the fucking gold coin on his hand.
1: That's another thing they ripped off. Bloody genius. This is full of rip-offs.
0: Yes, I love it. <laughs> this is like someone went, What are all the great things that we enjoyed about aliens and Indiana Jones and probably lots of other stuff that we haven't thought of yet? Oh, Star Wars. There's a fucking Star Wars cantina in this. And let's just take all of those things and put them in the same. Wait, film. wait,
1: wait. <laughs> I have to pause you there. No, Star Wars cantina has a very different vibe to this weird <laughs> shitty cafe. <laughs>
0: But there is that scene where when they first enter the cafe, the milkshake. It's the Star Wars milkshake cantina, don't you know it? So when they first <laughs> enter it, and we get to see so many really awesome looking aliens in there. Just one-off props. People are like, there's one dude who's a lizard man, and there's one dude who's purple.
1: <laughs> Great. I guess in that in that sense, yeah. Kind of entering of a bizarre spaceport thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I take your meaning. I know it's not as cool.
1: But they are they are definitely leaning heavily on to, to late 70s, early 80s sci-fi stuff that has been, yeah, just in everyone's minds for the last, let's say, seven definitely. years. And they're just like, yeah, come on. And what if what if, what if, if there's the handprint, man, like from Raiders of the Dark? Oh, fuck the handprint. Let's melt the guy's face off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had not finished with the trivia around this because- Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm so first sorry. Of No, 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 this is not a sorry moment, this is but (laughs) oh my god moment, because I uh. didn't actually read this far earlier, but not only did they originally want the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he wasn't available, there was this guy called John Alderton, who I don't know who he is, but David Jason was considered for the part of Kane.
0: Wait, who's David Jason? Also, I think they recognize Alderton. No way. What? Yeah. That would be great. That would have been fantastic. I... I don't know. I don't think I've
1: ever seen him as a bad guy. How How? How could this be possible?
0: <laughs> who was the Alderton that you mentioned? Was it John Alderton? Is that what you said?
1: John Alderton, who is known for Upstairs, Downstairs, Thomas and Sarah, Woodhouse Playhouse, Little Miss, Please Sir, No right. Honestly, and Fireman Sam. <laughs> Pretty rad. Um,
0: oh, he's also in Zardoz. Oh, the Sean Connery thing, is that? Yeah, exactly. Sean Connery in a diaper. That's pretty great. I've, I've never seen, I know who Del Boy is, but I've never actually seen that show. So it, it, in that sense, I don't have the same visceral reaction, but I know that actor, he would be fantastic. These, it feels like both of these actors would have been great. Oh,
1: quite possibly. But I'm very happy with the actor we had. I think Kane was awesome.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, how do you feel about Kane committing suicide, though? Setting aside, we've discussed how he dies, but, like, why he dies.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I just have a question around this. So, you've gone yeah. straight for he committed suicide. That's, that's what you think happened. Oh, does
0: he not? I was sure he did. I
1: just was a little confused what was happening. It didn't seem like he was, like, willingly... I don't know, because basically my question was, why does he open the blind? Is it just hubris? Is it denial? Because at this moment... Wait, what is the setup? I think they've he, gone. He's to,
0: waited three thousand years. They've to gone to where revenge. his
1: home planet should be, and it's just there's a supernova outside.
0: Oh, I don't know if they've gone there, but they are—they're out anyway. They're like they're, they're in space. I don't think that they've gotten there yet, but he mentions the name of, or he sorry, he has already mentioned the name of the place. And Doc then goes, "Ah, oh, I knew that I recognised it. Whatever the place that you're talking about hasn't existed for a thousand years. Your son went supernova." they all died. And I'm assuming because he, he practically has a broken heart. It's in, in part, it's his home is no more. And in part, it's I've waited 3,000 years to exact my revenge, and now I can't. Like, the people I yeah. wanted to... to torture and enslave or kill or whatever they're already gone they've been gone for a thousand years there's no like revenge was the only thing driving him and now that he can't experience it he doesn't want to live live anymore and i think he just opens the blinds and stares into the sun and because he can't handle he can't stand the heat should have gone out of that kitchen but anyway so he's (laughs) he can't stand heat and he's staring straight at the sun with no filter which like why do you have a window there that why do your windows not have filters why do you have a window in the first place if you were underground? Like what what are all of, I don't understand any of it. But <laughs> well, he has a and also window. why does
1: why does the computer say danger unfiltered sunlight and still open up
0: the blind? Yeah. <laughs> why is this a feature? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And why does it then close automatically? Because Doc doesn't press oh, a yeah. button. No, true. It's, it's just open long enough to melt not yeah. the Nazi from Raiders, and like, then closes is, again.
1: This is only three part. This is only a three part serial.
0: Yeah, so and much yeah, happens. That, in them.
1: The ending is so rushed, though. Yeah, like that's,
0: yeah, that is true.
1: Like the fact we're like you seem quite clear on on Kane's thoughts at this point. I definitely was not. I'm mostly convinced by what you've said, but. Well, through my watching of it, I was left thinking, maybe he's just in denial at this point. Because there's a whole conversation with him and Doc. Doc's telling him his planet has been destroyed. You know, your son went supernova. Yeah. And then he opens the blind. Like, it's almost just like, I need to see this for myself sort of thing. There's not, there's not enough of a moment where he's just like, fuck. Like, the weight of everything doesn't hit him. He's just like, oh, okay, then open blind. You know, it's just so abrupt. And then, yeah, like, it's just true. making me, making me giggle so much that the next thing, if you look at the transcript, the next thing is just like back to Ice World, Glitz on the intercom saying, "Good afternoon, shoppers." I mean, the fuck. <laughs>
0: also, which a guy shoppers? just melted. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. That is, is that not. That is. Yeah, I think I now finally get it. This is a fantastic era of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd have had this insight before because I wonder if maybe with this level of insight, it's possible to appreciate the prior seventh Doctor Adventures as well.
1: Maybe. But maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally the 80s, though, isn't it? Like, this is making me think only just this second. But it's making me think of, like, Big Trouble in Little China, where it's just... Oh, nice. Which I think is 80s. It must be. And it's just... Must be late 80s, yeah. Oh, maybe it's 90s. Oh, fuck. I'm gonna have to check this.
0: Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Okay, wait, hang on. Should we make it interesting? I'm saying 80... 88... I'm saying 88.
1: 88, okay. What do you think? I'm looking it up. I'm I'm
0: worried now it's
1: 90s. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. I think it might be like 92 or something.
0: I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. it's 86. Yes. It's 86, <laughs> <Okay>. yeah.
1: <laughs> I lost this little game, but my point stands. Okay, this is yeah. kind of like 80s stuff. Like You get to just do fast pace, a bit bonkers, doesn't make sense. Someone's face melts. Someone gets a hose pipe shoved into their mouth, and they blow up with water and then explode. You know, it's just yeah. that kind of... <laughs> weirdness like this is the era of gremlins and stuff like that that is true yeah so yeah maybe maybe there's a lot of just cultural setting that lets me forgive a lot here maybe that's why i enjoyed it so much like
0: yeah, there's a quirky playfulness that is part of the zeitgeist that you wouldn't have gotten in the 70s where they're trying to make slightly more highbrow or high-concept sci-fi or or they're trying yeah. to make just straight-up ham horror or schlock or whatever. But this is... Fuck it, who, who gives a damn? <laughs> We're just here to be inventive and have a laugh and have explosions
1: yeah. at the same time. This is actually blowing my mind up a little bit. I've never felt so confident in splitting down like the 70s and the 80s but like everyone's view back of the 80s like you think what they did with i forgot the name of the, the fourth film. was it ragnarok it's so just like over the top glitz yeah just fun and mayhem it's just like that's yeah. what people look at the 80s of and yeah the classic exactly. era of doctor who in the 70s was quite political and they're trying to they are trying to be highbrow you're right and, yeah, exactly. and suddenly it's just like Everyone comes along, Reagan and Thatcher come along with individualism, and, and everyone's just like, oh, yeah, fuck all of that. Let's just have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> And then yeah. we've all paid the it's price. It's all heavy
0: metal and and guns and it, yeah, it's an era where Han, Han Solo is the hero. Glitz is basically Han Solo, by the way.
1: Yeah, watered down, not as charming. Although he is yeah, still okay, charming. Yeah, that's true. He, well,
0: yeah, he is he is still charming, but he is also he's a space
1: buccaneer. Yeah, he's he's the rogue character for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, I loved his spaceship, by the way. I loved his cockpits where there's a the, the, what was it? There was a Dutch master. There's a Stradivarius and there are some furry dice hanging on on a wall <laughs> like, I, really,
1: I didn't spoil yeah, any of so that so good oh, nice.
0: yeah it's fantastic well you can see the dice and then doc says something i made a note of it doc yeah doc says oh you're sitting here with a Stradivarius and a Dutch master and he just sort of points off screen <laughs> at presumably uh, where these items are nice <laughs> Which is weird, because that doesn't that mean that Glitz has been to Earth? Oh yeah, so this is what I was going to ask. Are all of these people humans?
1: Good question. I don't know the answer. I can't even remember if Glitz is a human. No, I thought he wasn't. I kind of thought he wasn't, but I, I couldn't tell you where he's from, or where I got that feeling from, even. But it's weird, because like, we have got... The character of Ace, who's been whisked away Wizard of Oz style, and is now, like, I don't know, she doesn't seem like she's withholding information. She's probably been going around telling everyone she's from Earth. And what does that mean to these people in this cafe in, presumably, this century? Like, we're pretty sure this is a different time period as well. But it may not be. It may just be a different part of space. Who knows?
0: Well, I assumed it was the, oh... Right. Okay. Hang on. Let, when did we first encounter Glitz? That was the mysterious planet, right? And the mysterious planet was Earth, but it was Earth in a. It was oh. in the wrong place or something. And Glitz is there the same age. Yeah. Glitz isn't a time traveler, so whatever time we were in in the mysterious planet, that's the time we're in now.
1: I think you must be right. Yeah. Which. Was that thousands of years after our time, or was it even millions of years i can't remember now
0: I'm going to look it up, but the fact that she is whisked away in a time tornado leads me to believe that these aren 't the eighties like this isn't just a different part of space, this must be a different part of time, yeah, <laughs> I mean I the
1: whole time storm time tornado thing, yeah, makes us have to say that's true it's just the fact that we're in space it could it could be any time we don't we don't know but yeah. you're right glitz, glitz dates
0: it. I'm opening this up on TARDIS Wiki to see if they say when this is meant to be. Yeah, the year 2 million. 2 million? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to look up Mysterious Planet on TARDIS Wiki just to see if it also says the year 2 million. Yeah, it does. All right, fine. <laughs> well done. Well done, TARDIS Wiki. You got it well, right. Well,
1: <laughs> it might not be well done. It might be them just saying we knew the time for the Mysterious Planet, and we're also assuming that Sablon Glitz isn't a time traveler, so yeah. ergo, this is the same time.
0: Fair enough. I hear a lot of clever people are making that assumption, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you're right. So she must be walking around going, hey, I'm from Earth. And people are going like, you mean that fucking prehistoric place that all our ancestors came from? You mean that place that hasn't existed for two million years?
1: Yeah, quite Give possibly.
0: or take 2023. <laughs> yeah, that's mad. Yeah, This it's is a, why I got massive Star-Lord vibes off it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What was that? Sorry.
1: No, no. It, I'm just saying it's a weird setup. And yeah, Star-Lord vibes. And again, I think this is probably an 80s thing. Like... I watched ca- countless films probably of a kid or a young adult gets whisked away on a space journey. Yes. Like the last yes. Starfighter. Starfighter.
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: Um even Flight of the Navigator, something like that, maybe. It was just Yeah. Even though that was all on Earth. Like I think it was just a massive thing in the eighties.
0: I think you're very right. Yeah. This oh, this man. whole the serial yeah, the eighties are fantastic. There's such a good era for TV and films. And this serial is like a lens onto all the best best bits of 80s entertainment. This is a magnificent work of art. (laughs) I don't know if you were trying to talk me down at any point, but I have nothing but increased (laughs) my appreciation for this serial.
1: Like, I've been drinking as this has gone along, so my enthusiasm has been getting greater. (laughs) But, (laughs) like, I'm pretty sure the... If if we listen back to this, the first half of this episode, our podcast episode, is us, us being really sober. Yeah. Well, <laughs> A, very sober, but also like, what the hell is this? Why is this here? This doesn't make sense. This is just really weird. And then the the latter half is probably us doing a similar thing, but in a very excited way. And then it's going, yeah, oh, but. So then,
0: jovial. And
1: <laughs> but then also, like, in the 80s. Everyone did that stuff, so it was fine. And in the 80s, you could yeah. get away with all of that. And
0: so well, It took we're us probably... this long to realise that that was what was going on, and now that we've yeah. realised it, there's no going back, man. <laughs> the 80s cinema is the hypnosis doubloon of Doctor Who. The second you touch <laughs> it, you lose all free will, and you are subject to all of its whims. This is a winner.
1: <laughs> I think I think you might be right. The sad thing is, it's taken us seven years to get here because we're in 1987 at this point. How how are yeah, we just right. latching onto this, man? We are
0: right at the end. <laughs> we have like what a year of Doctor Who left, effectively. Yeah, something like that, maybe less. I'm not sure.
1: Wait, no, because we got we got two seasons left. Do we it's have two just seasons? in serials terms? It's only
0: eight. So further on the ace thing, we have her constantly shouting her own name. We get the first instance of Professor. The first instance is Professor Nitro 9 yeah. dot 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 yada yada yada. How do you feel about all this stuff?
1: I feel like I want it to be dialed down massively. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was I was a bit annoyed that she was shouting Ace all the time, because it was after she introduced herself as Ace. Yeah. But she says, like, people call me Ace. And obviously, you're meant to kind of, like, put it together that she says this all the time, so someone's just said, oh, Ace, that Ace girl, or whatever.
0: Oh, yeah, okay, sure.
1: But, yeah, it still bugged me. But then we did, we had to semi nice scene with her and mel where she sits down and tells the story of how she's really called dorothy and she kept dreaming of going to another world and she went to another world and ended up being a waitress in both which oh my god it's just dawned on me that's fry from futurama
0: (laughs) oh my god yeah oh my god yeah
1: yeah yeah, fry from futurama is ace from doctor who there we go (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah. The, the Professor thing, though, was interesting, because does she just come out with that? And she's never said a word to the Doctor. She just calls him Professor for some reason.
0: She calls him Professor. He's probably introduced himself as the Doctor by now, and she probably just says Professor by mistake, and then sticks with it.
1: I mean, is she meant to be like, oh, Professor, like you're clever clogs, sort of thing? Because I didn't get that impression. It really... I don't know if it's because I'm sensitive to the fact I know she calls him professor in the same way everyone else calls him doctor, but yeah. it never sounded like she's using it like his noun, the right word?
0: Do you mean, is she using like, it as his name or as his title he, or something like that? Or
1: that, that would be the way you naturally use it. It's like, oh, come on then, professor. Like, if you're so smart, sort of thing. Like, that's the way you would naturally, accidentally cause... Well, not accidentally
0: Uh, Yeah, I know what you mean. I think there's something else to it here, and that is that she's meant to be 16 years old, and to her, doctor and professor are just, like, two academic titles, and she doesn't really know what the difference is, maybe.
1: Oh, you think?
0: Because she hasn't experienced Earth past the age of 16.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. But I feel like 16 year olds are smarter than that. But again, this just fuels yeah, the whole true. this is a teenager written by adults thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is true. I just looked it up, by the way. She was 25 when she played this role. Yeah, 25 I... portraying a 16 year old.
1: Yeah, yeah. She doesn't look 16, that's for sure. Like, she no, doesn't really she look 25. she does not look 16.
0: Yeah, but. Somewhere in between. Yeah, let's say that, sure. Either way, she doesn't look like a 16 year old, but. Wait, no, that's right. It's not just that she hasn't experienced Earth past 16. She hasn't experienced Earth past the age that she was time-tornadoed.
1: She talks about A-levels, though, so she must have been 16.
0: She oh, d- oh, she does. Right, yeah. okay. okay. Fair enough. Is it, do you think, that she's actually older than 16, but she's just going with the age that she was when she left Earth? And because no one's ever celebrated her birthday since then, she's just like, I'm now 16 perpetually. Mm, Like, could she be 25?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think, given that they're very clear about her being 16, she even tries to lie to Mel. Well, she does lie to Mel. Like, she says, I'm 618 or something like that. And then, but then oh, under yeah, duress, right. when she's been held she by clean. Mr. Freeze, she immediately goes you've got to save me. I'm 16, sort of thing. Yeah. So, I think it's quite clear she's 16 and she probably that probably means she hasn't been here that long, well, which is true. all all the more bizarre like she's
0: working in a cafe. <laughs> she just appears. Yeah, shouldn't she be like massively traumatized her. and crying constantly because she wants to go home?
1: <laughs> yeah. Or just like, what's the criteria for working in this cafe? Nothing. (laughs) No criteria whatsoever.
0: Can you speak English? Yeah, great, because so do we.
1: (laughs) Yeah, isn't that convenient?
0: (laughs) Yeah. We have milkshakes. This is an ice world. Do you see any cows around? Nope.
1: Yeah, don't ask. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. let's not go down that route. I have a, another bit of trivia, which is related to her. And that is, one of my introductory questions was going to be, why does Glitz know where Ace lives and how come he has a key to her bedroom? Which is a bit odd. Where are <laughs> maybe yeah. ignoring the fact that she's 16 at this point, but like, let's just ignore that. But he does know where she lives. She's just... An employee at that cafe where he's been sitting for a few days, but somehow he knows exactly where she lives. He manages to go straight into her bedroom, dot, 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 who who knows? Trivia. In the original script, those two were shagging. What? Yes. In the original script, in which I assume she wasn't 16, I assume she was an older, an adult. I
1: mean, I'm not going to make that assumption, I'm just going to hope that was the case.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to make that assumption, because I, I think, yeah, there are certain things that even, even the Beeb in the late 80s must must be aware I mean, of. In the original time. script... <laughs> Oh yeah, that's true Well, in the Let's original not script, go down this before, road <laughs> No, well before whatever Before this was Ace The way that she ended up being And before this was Glitz Because at the time this was still that character Razorback presumably. Oh right, yeah Those two, at the very least th- They had Shagged He had spent the night at hers This right. is from TARDIS Wikia I didn't make a note of it But it's on TARDIS Wikia, I swear to god
1: <laughs> Wow Yeah, pretty weird And they... Presumably, yeah, so that was big enough that it's in the script to the point where you can then have him turn up in her room because he knows where it is. He spent the night there. Yeah, exactly. And they forgot. So it's one of those things that it got disconnected.
0: Well, they probably just like half wrote it out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. I didn't actually think much of it at the time. But yeah, it's weird that. Fritz just turns up. It's weird that Kane just turns up as well. Like when he kidn- kidnaps her, like he just goes into her room. He's waiting for her.
0: Wait, Kane goes to her room. Captain I Frosty. So. I think you're right. That means Captain Frosty can leave his lair. Captain yeah, Frosty exactly. can walk <laughs> around.
1: That's that was that my is next thing. So it's like, dumb. Like if he can be where all the people are.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which is why isn't he at the bar ordering Mermaid, an think, extra but... cold milkshake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Like if he can if he can go there, why can't he go where the dragon is? Like or at yeah. least I mean this is so full of potholes, it's unreal. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't care. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: If you're carrying around water in this bucket, there's probably just the handle and the rim of the bucket and no water. That's how whole this is.
0: <laughs> okay, sorry, you brought up a bucket. I have to ask you another question. Why <laughs> are there just massive buckets of liquid nitrogen with no lid, just around? <laughs> and only in the beginning. It's, it's Chekhov's liquid nitrogen that then never really pays off. Why don't we have a return of those in Act 3? turn up the liquid nitrogen
1: no (laughs) yeah that was i think just done for that scene let's face it yeah just so he can pop his hand in some liquid nitrogen and go ow or like he touched the side of it and then he drops his gun in it and then he drops his gun gun in
0: one of those vats yeah
1: yeah yeah it's like why why do some evil lairs just have barrels of toxic stuff hanging around you know
0: Yeah, well it's careless
1: <laughs> it's <daughters. laughs> yeah i mean health and safety
0: please <laughs> yeah absolutely
1: there is a thing we need to talk about we have not talked about which we even noted before we got this cereal we knew something was going to happen in this cereal and we haven't talked about it
0: holy shit yes you're right. the
1: literal cliffhanger
0: <laughs> yes oh my god i was going to ask you about that yeah yeah dude take it away man <laughs>
1: Right, okay. So I am not opposed to the literal cliffhanger aspect of this. The fact yeah. that he ends up hanging from his umbrella, and that's the end of the episode. I actually kind of love that. That's a lovely image. Yeah, that's
0: fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about how it's resolved?
1: How it's resolved, I do not understand in the slightest. Because I don't well, it, understand was, like, how Glitz goes down to well, the he's... place. And then he's Well, let... I
0: think the way he goes. What? We're led to believe that he is dangling off a cliff. And then it turns out he was maximum a meter and a half above ground. Like he it could literally so. just have dropped and he would have been fine.
1: Yeah. Maybe he might have slightly sprained his ankle. Yeah. At most. Yeah. That, <laughs> I love so the that resolution.
0: Well. I'm totally with you. Bullshit. Resolution, bullshit, yeah. but cliffhanger, great
1: basically the cliffhanger meat in the sandwich is quite good the bread has gone very stale and moldy so he yeah his reason for being there as well is just what the fuck why are you climbing over this railing why no doc what do you do? what yep. no stop yep, that agreed no I'm... this is ridiculous <laughs> what no, your umbrella no no like i honestly had no idea what was going on Well,
0: apparently in... Yeah, it's only
1: through reading about it and just a little bit of hindsight after they end up at the bottom of the cavern, not at the top, that I realize it was intentional to try and climb down.
0: But, (laughs) yeah, bullshit. But then why (laughs) is he... He is fearing for his life, which he should not. He should not be. Also, if Glitz can make it down there, that means that there is another way down. Yes. He could probably just have gone there. But in the cut of, this is part two, right? This is the part two cliffhanger. So in the cut of part two that we eventually got to see on TV, there is a very clear way out. Like he doesn't have to do it, but in the script, there was no way out for, for whatever reason, I guess he slid down. He wouldn't be able to climb back up. And the only way out would be to go over the ledge. And that's just, it it didn't translate to screen or it got cut out or whatever it was. And that's why it makes no sense.
1: The thing I read was that it was an obvious dead end, and apparently, when Mel and Ace get there, they say some things to the effect that it's a dead end and there is oh, right, nowhere okay. to go but over this edge, which is why they lower down the very convenient ladder that Ace has in her backpack. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's like again, plot holes. It's like it's the fact that Glitz ends up at the bottom and helps Doc down. A yeah, it just totally nullifies the fact that it was a cliff. Yeah. But also, how did Glitz get there, and why does no one go that route ever again? Because they go back up the ladder that Ace lets down. They don't go yeah, whatever right. way Glitz came. <laughs> that yeah. is true. Yeah, It's bonkers. Just absolutely bonkers.
0: Yeah, it makes no sense, but it doesn't matter. It's very atmospheric. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone in podcast land who's interested, in fact, sorted. everyone in podcast land needs to do this on Who Back When in the article archives, that the, those legendary article archives that I haven't updated in literal years. There is one one article by Michael Ridgway, Ridgway called Worst Cliffhanger Ever, Dragonfire A Revisionist Perspective, which everyone here must read. So check that mm-hmm. out. Yeah. How about we make an attempt at rating this, dude? Oh, that sounds spiffy. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la, 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 la. Ratings. Shazamatron Podcast Land, and welcome to the hour mini section of this podcast episode. Jim Cakes has been a real cake boss and one of the fingertips of nose game. Hands down, very well played, sir. So, all right, I'm going first. And what am I going to say? Well, I want to start by talking about the doc. We, surprisingly, we didn't talk that much about the doctor in our review. I think Sly McCoy is terrific. I really enjoyed him in this. There are so many scenes that allow him to shine here. My favorite of which is is the scene that he shares with one of the gods, the existentialist. Oh yeah. <laughs> and with whom he has a philosophical debate. That is fantastic stuff. He also really pulls off clever and gung-ho to muy, muy important traits of any Doctor. So that's a plus in my book. I was about to say I'm sort of getting around to Sly McCoy. I feel like I was already kind of into him before this episode, but now I'm really, really enjoying it. Long may his reign last. Companions. Right. Well, Mel is better here than she usually was. And while I don't understand her reasons for running away with glitz, I am happy that Langford herself finally got out of a show that wasn't making her happy. Plus, the character has a very decent send-off. Not bad at all. Ace is, I hate to say it, rather pants. I have not said much about her in my notes. I've like this yeah i scoured my notes to see what had i what had i observed about her on one occasion i say she's 16 how does she get so much nitro like how does she make nitro 9 Th- there's a lot that like, just that kind of doesn't add up about her in fact on one occasion i have literally just written and i feel a little bad for saying this ace is dreadful oh my <laughs>
1: like, god
0: like, she really got on my nerves but but don't hang up just yet <laughs> I do understand the appeal, and I have really high hopes. And I know that she is emblematic of this of this era of Doctor Who, so I'm super-duper looking forward to seeing more of her. Well, all right. Captain Frosty is terrifying. Gloriously OTT, and what a way to go. I don't know. We've talked about him quite a lot. I, I really enjoy him. Production value, once again, off the chart. O-T-C! Where the last serial felt incredibly cheap, this one is possibly the reason they didn't have any money before. <laughs> Holy moly. The sets, the guns, the xenomorph, those white uniforms, the musical crescendo when we see the ice world from space, the Nosferatu miniature, Mwah! chef's kiss, greatest assets, the trip down 1980s cinema memory lane that this serial elicited in both of us, <laughs> biggest flaw, that three-year-old girl, main Ugh, takeaway... Yeah. I think I get it now and I've given this a rating of 4.1.
1: Wowzers. That's a big heart you got there chap. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) That was amazing.
0: (laughs) Which is originally I wanted to give this 4.0. Oh
1: okay. You got talked up ever so slightly.
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah.
1: yeah. Nice. Oh. Am I rethinking my score? No. No. Stick to my guns.
0: You can feel free?
1: No. Nope. Well, we'll see. Okay. Yeah, that was that was good stuff. A <laughs> lot of things I agreed with there. In fact, probably everything. Right. So I also decided to start with Doc, but yeah, we didn't talk about him at all because I didn't have a lot to say really. But what I do have oh. on top of what you said, so you were saying he's he's charming. McCoy plays the part well. Totally agree with that. I enjoyed watching the performance. But I kept thinking as I was watching mm-hmm. it, Doc isn't really doing anything here. Doc seemed to just turn up and things were happening. and Or Doc would turn up and yeah, then okay. say he knew this was going to happen. Or, I don't know, it felt like a very hands-off approach through this serial. And it was just, everything just unfolded and Doc happened to understand it all. And then told us about it. It was like, fine, okay, it kind of worked, but... Yeah, I felt like maybe missing some of the better Doctor moments you get from other serials.
0: Yeah, it's a fair observation.
1: Kane on the other hand, amazing bad guy. Yeah. I think I might just have to start rating Dr. Who serials on the bad guy because it seems to always get to me when there's a good <laughs> bad guy, I'm just like, yeah, fuck yeah. That that bad guy is awesome. He's straight up killing people when he needs to. Like, yeah, get your hands dirty guy or get your hands cold around that face. Yeah, exactly. And then he toys with Bella's, like taunting her that she can go free and then just straight up kills her. He is cold as fuck this guy does not give a shit. he also doesn't fall into crappy villain tropes when they're when they come up with the crystal and he's holding ace captive like he doesn't try and talk around it or there's any kind of like moment of like oh, why isn't he just saying he's gonna well why doesn't he just kill them and take it or say that he's gonna kill them and take it he, he just does he just says. Just hand it over. Otherwise, I'm just going to kill it, kill you, and take it from your dead bodies. So it's great. I like that kind of straightforward talking from a villain. <laughs> we even get a uh, while stock's last joke from him when he's holding Ace. Yes. And it's fucking evil. Like, I don't know how this, yeah, this it works. It's a shitty joke, and it comes off as just like straight up evil. And yeah, great. And <laughs> this. Also, happened in this serial, he delivers a line straight to camera at the end of episode ah. two. Which,
0: oh, I missed this.
1: I found a bit good and bad because, like, it was a very badass bad guy moment, but also it was a little bit cheesy at the same time. But yeah,
0: what does he say?
1: He says something to the effect of, At last, after 3,000 years, the dragon fire shall be mine. <laughs> The, oh yeah! Oh nice. That will be the cheesy yeah, ass yeah. But Ace, well spotted. Yes, Ace was more annoying than I thought she would be, but I still loved her. Yeah, didn't really enjoy her saying her nickname all the time. It's a bit odd that that becomes her nickname. Whatever. Yeah, Nitro 9. Okay, this is a thing. (laughs) Whatever. I'm happy just to kind of like put a pin in it and see how she is in the next serial, perhaps. I'm really hoping it gets dialed down a little bit. And well, I'm expecting the explosions not to get dialed down, but the annoying teenager written by adults sense hopefully will get dialed down. Mel Yeah. We we didn't talk a lot about Mel. I think she was she was pretty good in the serial, performed the role that she needed to do, which was the more established companion kind of like or the companion that actually was there doing stuff on occasion but not doing a lot, and then passing on the torch. I think you're right, it was a good send-off. But the fact that she's just travelling with glitz didn't make any sense whatever. Weird. We did get some nice moments with Ace and Mel. Like there was a weird moment of Mel suggesting to play i spy where they're just sat around waiting for doc to come back i think it is and ace just gives her such a look and they spend a load of time together and that was just one moment out of all of it ace and oh, nice. doc earlier on get a nice moment where doc's getting all excited about the dangerous sounding places that have been marked on the map and ace is as excited if not more it's like yeah yeah i want to go too and I think I think that's why possibly we're actually on as like, this is a good intro to this companion. Because you feel like she's just straight away along for the ride. And that's a good place to be. You mentioned the production. Yeah. I totally agree. We get the nice couple of model effects. There's this weird little star chart, graphic. This crystal spaceship model when it yes. takes off is gorgeous. Ace does get to do the whole bigger on the inside thing as well. But then Doc is an arsehole about it. It just gets really shouty, which was... Again, a kind of and hmm. minus. I don't know, I've got random notes going on. But i am got to end on just how fucking annoying that little girl was. And who the hell thought that was good to put into this serial. <laughs> and she must be someone's daughter. That's the only explanation I could come up with. <laughs> I haven't looked it up. But I don't know if there's even a credit for it. I'm lucky. But yeah, there were so many plot holes. I enjoyed watching this serial. I didn't get blown away by it. There were so many plot holes that I just couldn't let go so I'm not gonna go quite as high as you. I'm gonna go with a 3.5. 3.5? Yeah, the
0: it,
1: solid. Originally it was a 3.2, so I did get talked up.
0: Nice! Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think this serial is actually really inspiring of a good time as an even post-watching. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. So. How about we have a listen to what Podcast Land thinks about this serial? Let's. Minis. now let's hear from Podcast Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron and Cheesecakes Podcast Land. Welcome to the your mini section of this podcast episode. Wow, holy smokes. We received no less than 13 minis for this one. Yow. People have opinions. Thank you, everyone who sent something in. Thank you. We're gonna do the usual thing. Three minis in full, snippets, then Fourth. Who's first?
1: Why, very appropriately, I think, is none other than Michael (laughs) Ridgway.
0: Hello, Michael. Hello there, Michael. Michael has started with a list of likes. First, like Kane's melty face.
1: That cliffhanger. I'll bet some genius has written an article about that on the Who Back When website. Why, maybe they have Michael. (laughs) Yes, indeed.
0: Next like, the introduction of hashtag best companion ever. Where's your homemade explosives, Rose? (laughs) Yeah, Rose.
1: (laughs) And (laughs) last like, but I feel like this is just a short list of the likes Michael had. Xenomorph-like
0: biomechanical dragon. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, that's a very big like. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent list of likes. Michael has obviously not provided a list of boops because there are none, according to Michael. He has, however, provided a rating of, surprise, surprise, five out of five doomed passengers of the Nosferatu. I, for one, was completely shocked that a vessel with that name would have anything but a pleasant and uneventful voyage. (laughs) Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. People who are not Michael, please follow Michael online. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. No more underscore. Michael. Very, very big. Thanks. Who's next? Next up,
1: it's that charming chap, otherwise known as Andy Parkinson.
0: What up, eh, Andy?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Andy. Hello there, Andy And he says, What ho, chaps What ho yourself. Welcome to Ice World. Dragonfire oh, sees the introduction of Ace and the start of the most popular Doctor Companion partnership since the fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane, our old friend Sabanon mm, Glitz, oh yeah. also returns. And of course, he's up to his neck in
0: trouble as usual. Yeah, that's a really good point, by the way. This is another iconic pairing. Yeah. A- another Doctor-companion pairing that is just, it's cemented in the public consciousness. You wouldn't get this with S- Davison and, I don't know, Tegan to the same degree. no. For example. Very interesting. Yeah, good point. Andy has provided a list of likes. First like. The cafe scenes are populated with all kinds of weird and wonderful beings. Okay, so it's not exactly the Cantina scene from Star Wars, but I admire the attempts.
1: Hmm. Nice one. Nice. Next like the supporting characters are all well played, especially Balas. Yes, true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And last like the face melting of Kane. Mm, Nice. mm, Lovely stuff. Very nice. Yeah, yeah.
1: And he did have, however, some beefs. The first one being
0: if Kane is such
1: a tech whiz, why couldn't he just pull all his freezing tech onto a spaceship and
0: just hot foot, cold footed out of there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super good question, dude. <laughs> yes. Very good question. Next beef has Kane really not listened to the space news about his planet going supernova? Yeah, that's another fair point. There's lots of tech there. Does, yeah. Can he not radio to other places?
1: And people are coming and going from this. Yeah, yeah. So many plots. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he continues,
1: overall, Dragonfire is an enjoyable story and well acted throughout. There seems to be a lot of nods to other sci-fi, such as the cafe cantina scenes, the alien xenomorph-looking monster, and the face-melting, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you look at the story really closely, then there's plenty of holes. But it doesn't stop it being enjoyable for
0: me. Oh my god! Here's our friend who agrees with us, mm. and Andy awards this four point one. Of course, Michael Ridgeway will give this five out of five out of five. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel like it's quite fitting that this one was following Michael Ridgeway. <laughs> Did Absolutely. of course give it five. <laughs>
0: Yeah, really, really good stuff. Fantastic mini, Andy. Thank you very much. People who are not Andy, please do yourselves a favor. Improve your lives by following Andy online. He can be found at Caffreys71. That's right. Thanks, Andy. 20. Who's next?
1: Next up, it's
0: Jethro Roos. <coughs> Hello, Jethro. <laughs> Hello, Jethro. My
1: dear old things, says Jethro. <laughs> Popping back to offer <laughs> comment on the magnificent dragonfire. I remember watching mm. this live and in living colour way back when in 1987. God, I'm old. I feel you, Jethro. feel you. <laughs> <I feel> you.
0: <laughs> Jethro continues, there's a lot of superficial bollocks in this one, but I'm a positive kind of person. So, <clears> hmm, <throat> Kane scared the living shit out of me and his Raiders of the Lost Ark demise was bloody brilliant.
1: Younger me and now me, if I'm being brutally honest, would have crawled naked over broken glass, Lego, and AIDS needles just to listen to Ace fart through a walkie-talkie. Wowzers! (laughs) Yummy, yummy, a delicious apple crumble in my tummy. Says (laughs) Jeffro. Well,
0: there's a lot to unpack, Jeffro. All right, (laughs) those are words I've just
1: had to say. Thank you, (laughs) Jeffro.
0: Jethro continues, huzzah for glitz, huzzah for no more mel, huzzah for the bollocks ending to episode one. <laughs> one of Jethro's favorite Sylvester McCoy outings, and he gives this a rating of 4.1. Shut up, Jethro, you perverts out of 5. <laughs>
1: Wow, I feel like you've been on a journey, Jethro.
0: (laughs) Yeah, wow, holy smokes, fantastic stuff. Thank you very much. Blessings to you. People who are not Jethro need to follow Jethro online. He can be found at Jethro... Underscore... (laughs) Roos. Indeed. Thank you, Jethro. Thank you very much. Right, snip snippity, snips henceforth. Who's next?
1: Next up, we've got Kristaps Paddock.
0: What up, Kristaps? Chris
1: Epps. Hello, Chris Epps. Chris Epps says, not the worst. Seven Doctor.
0: Seven Doctor.
1: Story, but not his best. Very liminal, kind of an in-between story. 3.2 suits this one. Okay, yep.
0: yeah, fair yeah. enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fair okay. enough, Chris Epps. Okay, Thank uh, you
0: very much. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, who's next?
1: Next up, we have Stephen
0: from Canada. And from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Steven. It's always a complete mystery to know if that was in any way.
1: I'm assuming not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello, Stephen. Stephen says, snip, snippity snip, 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 and concludes, overall, this story earns 3.5 obvious patchwork rectangles out of 5. Those who saw the extended versions will get the joke. I definitely did not see the extended version.
1: No, I do not get the joke. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know what? This was such a good serial that I will happily seek out the extended version and watch that. So thank you for alerting us to the fact that there is such a thing as an extended version. Very good, Stephen. And thank you for your mini. People who are not Stephen from Canada can find Stephen online at... At
1: S. André
0: That's right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stephen. Who's next?
1: Next up, we have one of those little chaps called Kieran of the Evans Variety. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, the yep. bear has definitely hit cakes right there now. There we go. <laughs> 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 Hello, Karen. Hello, <I'm> Karen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Kieran says lots of lovely words and really spiffing. And then we cut to the end where he says slightly messy and a bit cheap. 2.5 Two point five out of five.
0: Nice. Yeah, they're solid. Stuff. Which I get uh, as well. Definitely. Yeah, that, that is a fair fair rating. By the way, Kieran had one more alien reference in his mini, so definitely go to the website, check his out in its full splendor as well. Find out what that was. Mm-hmm. People who are not Kieran can say hi to Kieran online. He can be found wherever environmentally conscious automotive dealers can be found, namely at KJ Evans. Too. that's right for all your Evan needs <laughs>
1: <laughs> you would not believe the number of times that just randomly pops into my head <laughs> like <laughs> it's not a real thing you made it up. It's not even like like an <laughs> advert I've seen is stuck in my brain. It's a Leon made up advert. I just pops into my brain and it's like,
0: yeah. But we've been oh, doing this, like... Kieran. Teams. How long have we been advertising your? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when was the first time that we used that? I feel like that must have been at least a couple of yeah, years ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago now. <laughs> yeah, Kieran, what you want to do is start an evan business. Yeah, <laughs> like off the we back of this. We gave you the jingle slogan. for free. Come on, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyway, thank you very much, thank Karen. You, <laughs> <laughs> Who's next?
1: Next up, we have Mr. Tans' six fingers.
0: Kapow! 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 One kapow per finger. Hello, Tans. Hello, Tans. <laughs> Tans says, "Snip, snippity, snip, snip, snip," and adds, "This gets 3.5 memory erased, cryogenically frozen drone soldiers out of five. Oh, that's a build high for happiness. Very
1: nice number, of Tans. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, very nice indeed. And
1: very nice shout out to the Bazookoids from Red Dwarf, <laughs> which is basically <laughs> yeah, a basic like reference <laughs> to the ridiculously large guns that they have. Yeah. Good stuff, mm. Tans. Everyone should go read
0: it in its full splendor on the website. Yes, please. And they can also find Tans on at least a couple of social media walls. He can be found at Tans6Fingers and... Tans6Fingers. That's right, on Twitter and Insta, respectively. Thank you, Tans. Thank you, Tans. Who's next? Why, it's none other than the Zoonmeister
1: himself. Peter is What up, Peter? Hello, Peter. <laughs>
0: Hello, Peter.
1: Peter says lots of lovely things also, and then concludes with this story is bad, and most everyone should feel bad. <laughs> it had many good ideas, but wow, what a ham fisted disaster. Not even a tense countdown at the end. Sad. 1.1. 1. 1.
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed. Wow. (laughs) To fully understand what that tense countdown might be referring to, read Peter's Mini in its full splendor. Yeah. Thank you very much, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Peter. Who's next?
1: We have some kind of Ed. I'm not sure which, though.
0: Ooh, it's Ed Corbet or Ed Corbet. It's one of those. That's right. It's Ed. Hello, Ed. Hello,
1: Ed. This one also pops into my brain from time to time as
0: well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love this one. (laughs) Ed says snips and snips and also snips and based on that, Ed has no choice but to give this five remembered things out of five. Thank you very much, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Who's next?
1: Next up, it's Mr. GP Haynes. Wait,
0: GP. I said J. You say P. J. P. J. P. Yes, right. <laughs>
1: GP says lots and lots of things. Oh, all these 80s references galore. And then concludes with fabulous stuff. 4.5 canisters of Nitro 9.
0: Nice. Yes, fantastic. Very, very good. (laughs) Nice. Thank you very much, GP. People who are not GP, head on over to Instagram and YouTube and look for Finding G-Spots. And find yourselves some (laughs) (laughs) G-Spots. Indeed. (laughs) Thank you very much, GP. Who's next? Next
1: up, we have Isaac.
0: What up, Isaac? Isaac says, schnippity schnips and adds, Glitz is back though, so that's something. And Ace is here. That's fun. A supermarket? Double question marks. And Isaac gives this 0. 0.4 out of 5.
1: Ouch, Aroma. <laughs> <laughs> love it
0: <laughs> it's so good i'm so pleased that we're getting like both both sides of the rating yeah. spectrum this is really good stuff thank you very much isaac people who are not isaac head on over to twitter and instagram and follow isaac at ms monster adams that's adams with one d <laughs> <laughs> thank you isaac thank you very much isaac who's next next up is daniel mckinley daniel daniel mckinley Daniel McGinley, Daniel McGinley. Hello, Daniel. <laughs> Hello,
1: Daniel. Daniel has very handily given us just a sentence. Well, two, maybe. Mm. What is it? Dragonfire is a hidden gem. Whilst the cafeteria scenes are pretty poor, yeah. it was a stroke of genius to get Jacob Reese Mogg to play Kane. 3.9 out of 5. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent casting. Well done. Nice. Well done, Daniel. People we can. please follow Daniel. People who are not Daniel, please follow Daniel on Twitter at Daniel J. McGinley. And on Insta,
1: planet underscore of underscore giants. That's right.
0: Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Who's last?
1: Last up is Neil.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Neil says a whole bunch of stuff and adds, not a great story, but certainly moving in the right direction. And Neil gives this a rating of 3.3 out of 5. Thank you very much, Neil.
1: Nice. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, everyone.
0: People who are not Neil, you can find Neil at Neil Andruzzani and... Neil Jamisactor. That's right. On Twitter and Instagram, respectively. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, everyone who sent something in. In case we snipped your mini, very, very sorry, but as you noticed, we had quite a lot of these minis. People who are not you, please head on over to com. Read all of these minis in their full splendor. Thank you absolutely everyone who sent something People in. People
1: who are not you. And thank you, you everyone for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, that's... Does that not make sense? I that's that a conundrum sense. you've set for podcast land. <laughs> everyone <laughs> listening to it. Uh... Wait, no, I'm me as well. <laughs>
0: You're someone else.
1: I'm me, but I didn't write one of these minis. Should I go to WhoBatWen.com? I don't know. It's so confusing.
0: You know what? I could go back and re-record that. I will.
1: don't. <laughs> no, no.
0: <laughs> That's a number of different types of alcohol. Meeting grammar and going, nope. Oh, no, no. It's
1: meeting my, my brain as well. I'm just like, wait, what does that even mean? <laughs>
0: Peeps, thank you so much for listening. This has been a fabulous time. This concludes our Dragonfire soiree and gets us, as we started saying this evening, gets us that much closer to the end of Classic Who. This is ridiculous how close we are. Ridiculously close, yeah. So this was Dragonfire and this was a classic. Next up we probably have a new Who review. Any idea what that might be?
1: I have a perfect idea, because you wrote it down in front of me,
0: and it says it's the Revolution of the Daleks, which is the New Year special. That's right. Yeah. After that, we are back in Classic Who territory with Remembrance of the Daleks. Ooh, it's a <laughs> Not a New Year special. Dalek
1: either. double feature coming at your ear bowls soon.
0: That's right. The Double Ds. At some point, we're also going to be doing an Audio Who review. What's that going to be of dude? It will be Doctor Who redacted. Ooh, ah, yes, indeed. And if you want to say hi to us in the meantime, that is, of course, completely possible. Jim Cakes, you're on that old Mastodon thingamabob. Yes,
1: I occasionally, Tell us about occasionally that. toot. You can find me Ooh. at, Jimmy at the dot eu.
0: Mm, toot toot. <laughs> nice. You can find me on Twitter. I don't tweet a lot and I may leave. Well, I'm still there, and you can say hi. I will say hi right back. I am at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. But you can, of course, also, if you like, reach out to us at Who back When, all in one word for your convenience. Jim Cakes, I have had a spiffing time. Thank you so much for a lovely, lovely soiree. Me too. Thank you. And thank you again, Podcast Land. You've been a lovely audience. Until the next time, please rock on. Be rad and excellent to each other. And ciao ciao. See ya.